Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Okay, to help me out with today's episode, I've invited on a guest who is a recovery advocate. She's a powerhouse. Danielle Hansler, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for being willing to come on here. So she's coming on to talk to us about hand-in-hand support services. She's the founder of that. We're going to get to that. We also want to talk to her about why she's so passionate about recovery. And there's a lot that I don't know about you. And so I'm really excited to get this opportunity to kind of get to know you a little bit better. That's what I love about doing this podcast is, is connecting with people. So Yeah, I'm excited. I know we've tried to make this happen for weeks and weeks. So it's fun. Yeah, I'm super here. excited. Before we get to all that, though, uh, we want to give a, our sponsorship mention. Episode 70, part one is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers. Or they're ready to help you or a loved one as soon as you're ready to, to get help. Reach out to them by calling them at 801-800-8142. Or like Sean's showing uh, on the screen right now, go to their, their website. It's stepsrc.com. That's stepsrc.com. You can actually live chat uh, with Micah and get you or your loved one some help as soon as you're ready to get that help. Thank you, Steps Recovery Centers. Okay. We always start this thing off with new and goods. Okay. So, Danielle, what is new and good in your world? What's going on? Um, new, I would say I am attempting to remodel my kitchen and living room. And um, it's definitely a new process. <laughs> I'm not qualified to do it, but I'm doing it. And it's surprisingly turning out okay so far, minus a minor hiccup yesterday. Um, but I'm excited because... It's all going to be new and pretty and updated. and Isn't that so fun? Like, isn't that so cool? I think it's cool to start a project and then be able to kind of see it to the end. Oh, yeah. It's taking longer than I anticipated, so I'm not sure when the end is, but it will be really nice when it gets here. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be excited when the end's over as well, right? To have yes. that brand new remodeled kitchen. Yes. So is it just, are you, I mean, are you like pulling out sinks and like, you know, uh, countertops or are you just doing the cupboards? What does that look like? All the cabinets. We're doing new floors, new countertops. Yeah. We got new sinks, new faucets. Uh, you know, then you do some of that new stuff and you got to do new baseboards and then, you know, it's just a whole remake over. It is. Wow. It's kind of an old house that has probably had zero updates since it was built. So it's time. That's so cool. Listen, when you're done with that, I, there's a, I got an address for you. Could be my address that, you know, you can come remodel Mandy and I's home anytime you, now that you're a pro at it, right? Oh yeah. After this, I'll definitely be a pro. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. Sean Denvin, what's new and good in your world, buddy? What's going on with you? I've waited uh, two and a half months for this coming weekend. Two and wow. a half months I've waited for slightly warmer weather so I can go outside and work on stuff. Oh, okay. You're, you're in kind of a remodel phase right now yourself, yeah, right? I mean, bit. you're just been waiting for the right temperature to go back outside and start more painting and more building stuff. Cool. You know, nothing huge like a kitchen remodel, but you know. Yeah. Hey, it's still, still awesome. Have you sold that property? Uh, it's pending. Pe- oh, so it's like in the process. Yeah. Of we got, we got escrow and everything. So it's just, we have to wait. Are you going to take that money and let oh. somebody else do some remodeling or? Uh, yeah, actually I am. So uh, we've decided to actually remodel the bathroom and possibly break out a wall and make our two our three bedroom home into a two bedroom home. Should we just turn this podcast into a home recover like home remodel? There we go. Yeah. Home rehab. Sean's old house. We'll call it <laughs> home Sean, rehab. I like episode it. seventy. Sean's old house and Danielle's kitchen. <laughs> All right. Well, my new and good is I I always listen. My mother in law is coming down to, to see Mandy in one of her last plays. Um, if you're in the St. George area, definitely check out West Side Story. It's it's super cool, super fun. Um, also, I got a couple new and goods. So I want to thank our listeners. So I don't always check out like the analytics of this podcast, right? Because I'm a busy guy. Like I work full time, married, trying to keep up with, you know, everything going on. But I was looking the other day with Sean, actually, we were taking a look at it and we have downloads in every single state in the United States, except for two. 
So I want to thank my listeners, number one, for downloading our podcast. Keep talking to your friends and family and keep sharing it. That's so helpful. Like you guys, we don't make anything off of this, but we can make a little couple pennies if we can get enough views. So we really appreciate appreciate your guys' viewership and the downloads. The two states we, we still need to get downloads in is Nebraska and South Dakota. And it sounds like you've got some connections to South Dakota. Am I? Yeah. I did grad school through the University of South Dakota. So You're hired. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> that would be awesome. Again, I know I'm kind of getting off top here, topic here with some nonsense, but but again, I really my new and good for today is I just want to thank our listeners. Uh, it really is very helpful talking to your friends about it, sharing it on your social media platforms. Um, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. So are you feeling a little more relaxed? Um, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm not good at this. So. <laughs> well, you're doing fantastic <laughs> so far. Okay. So what I want to know is, Danielle, I don't, I don't know you like as, as much as I wish I knew you. And, and so I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Talk to me a little bit about, are you in recovery yourself? Is it, are you passionate and an advocate for recovery because of a friend, a family member, share as much or as little as you're comfortable with? What does that look like? All right. So I am in recovery um, in the sense of I go to Al-Anon. Um, so I have a, my partner, significant other, uh-huh. ex-husband, boyfriend, whatever title he holds now, you know, <laughs> I guess all of those really, but um, uh, he is in recovery Awesome. and um, he was not when we met and he wasn't for the first six years of our relationship. So, um, active addiction and alcoholism was present throughout our relationship. I said for those six years. Um, and I really got to see what that looks like. Um, and I felt all of the things, you know? Um, and so that's kind of how I got involved in the recovery community is really just through our experience together. Um, I love that. Did you know that you're the first person to come on that hasn't been in recovery themselves? But listen, this thing affects everybody, right? I mean, 25% of the population that's walking around today is, has some sort of a substance use disorder to some degree. And all those people have friends. All -hmm. those people have loved ones. All those people have significant others, spouse, ex-husband, now boyfriend. Did I get him in the right order? Yeah. yeah. Boom. I'm on fire today, Sean. So that's, that's fantastic. And it sounds like he's okay with you coming on and kind of sharing a little bit about your journey, right? Yes. It's not about him. Hopefully we'll get him on to tell his, that would be cool. It would be awesome. But from your point of view, kind of, if you're comfortable with it, what did that look like in within that time frame? Um, like, how did you get involved in Al-Anon? Was it a recommendation from somebody? Yeah. So actually his mom recommended it to me. And this was like back in, oh gosh, like 2013 or something. And so he had um, gone to rehab and his mom was like, you need to go to Al-Anon while he's gone. And I was like, okay, I will do it. Um, now, was this here in Utah? This was in... North Dakota at the time. Oh, okay. Okay. So I started going, um, I went like five days a week. Be honest. What was your first impression? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) my first impression, I walked into a meeting. There was like three other people there. That's it. They were all like 40 years older than me. Okay. And I sit down at a table, this tiny little table and they're like talking about Oh my gosh, this lady was so sweet, but it was just funny in the moment. She was, her husband had been passed for many years. Um, and so she didn't have anyone in her life that was actively drinking or anything like that. And she was talking about how she'd apply the program to her cats now because she had a lot of cats at home. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to have to see about this. <laughs> but, you know, they always say in Al-Anon, keep coming back. And so... I did take that suggestion. I kept showing up, Um, but I actually had like a a few years off by like probably five. I'd gone, and I really just didn't get anything. I, you know, we have to be open and willing. Absolutely, Um, honest, open and willing. Yeah, yeah. And I just like wasn't there, and so I'm going to all these meetings. I'm doing these things, and life is still just like not that great. Like he's still drinking. He's still using. Like what is 
going on. Like, this is not working. Um, right. So I just did not grasp the program, like, at all. Do you think maybe at the time, and it's okay if I'm totally wrong, do you think maybe at the time, because of the experience with the sweet cat lady, we'll just call her cat lady, yeah. uh, fantastic, I love it, um, maybe you kind of dipped a toe instead of really diving in and getting honest, open, and willing? Yeah, and I guess, I mean, and I was young too, like I was probably 22 or 3. Um, in college. Yeah, in college. A lot going on. A lot going on. I'm in a new state. I left my friends and family in Utah. I moved to North Dakota. All these things. Um, and I mean, I just, I don't know. It just, it didn't click. Okay. Whatever was going on, it just wasn't like sinking in. Um, and so... I event we moved to Texas. I kind of stopped going once I, you know, now I don't know where the meetings are. I don't know anybody. Um, you lost kind of that community resource connection. Yeah. Okay. And it took us moving back to Utah, really struggling for a little bit, you know, getting divorced, having, um, having my boyfriend check in to rehab again, being sober for a year for me to finally be like, I need some help. You know, at first I thought out of sight, out of mind, the drinking, the using it's out of the house. I'm not around it. I'm going to be totally fine. Um, and I was not fine at all. You know, I thought I was for a little bit, but my life was still just a wreck. Um, so, so when people talk about unmanageability, you recognize that due to, the, to your loved one's addiction, your life started to become oh, unmanageable too. It was, yeah, terrible. I felt like a crazy person and I'm the one, you know, that is sober and supposed to be level-headed and being able to figure this out and fix things. And it, I, no, none of that, none of that was happening. Um, Danielle, I got to say, I love this. So, so I do, I run our family programming at Steps, right? And oftentimes when I'm, we do two different styles of family programming. We do our client slash family group night, right? Where the clients and the family members are all in the same meeting. And the second style is our family recovery night. And in that family recovery night, I teach kind of an Al-Anon version, craft family programming version of, of a family recovery program. And oftentimes I, I get a ton of questions about the client, right? And every time I try to pull it back and refocus it on the person, Sometimes I get some pushback. They're like, hold on a minute. You're telling me I've been through all this with my loved one and now I'm the one that needs help. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm absolutely telling you that because of the things you've gone through with your loved one, you need some help. Can you look back now and identify the things that Al-Anon really helped you with? Yeah. Um, so I've been back in for a couple years, um, almost three years and really I was really, I got really obsessive with the alcoholic and I just, I didn't know, you know, who I was, where he started, where I started, where, you know, it was just really muddled. Um, I felt like I lost who I was, everything about me. You know, I'm like, what, what do I even like to do? I don't know. Um, and so I really got to just find a little bit of peace of mind and some calmness, um, so that I could have a clear enough head to just like live my own life and figure out who I was, what I wanted to do, um, and learn how to put the focus back on me because mm -hmm. for so long it was on him. What is he doing? Where is he at? Is he, is he high? Is he not? Is he actually where he said, you know, so many things I just couldn't even think about anything but him. Mm. Um, and so I really got to just take a seat. I first showed up and I listened, you know, they talk about the three A's in Al-Anon and it's awareness, um, action, awareness. Oh my gosh. Now I can't even remember the I three A's. I do that all the time. <laughs> I do that. I, yeah. I do Anyways, we got to become aware, you know, and then, um, so I really gained a lot of awareness of like this whole time I thought his drinking and using was the problem. And if he just stopped, like our life would be fine. Um, and I got to take a step back for once and really look at my part and what did I contribute to our relationship at that time failing? Um, that's one of the four C's, right? Cause they talk about the four C's. You didn't cause it. 
You can't control it. You didn't create, cause it, create it. Sean, or this happens to me every it. week. Yeah. You didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. But how did you contribute? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and this time around, I actually took some suggestions. You know, I realized like, oh, there, this program is had the, this whole time in the past had offered suggestions that I never took. I went to meetings, you know, but I barely did my readings. I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't work the steps. I didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this time around, I saw how recovery really can work. And in my mind, I was like, oh, um, if 12 steps can work for him, and like he is this completely different person. Uh-huh. I mean, the same but different. You know, I was like, well, then it can, it'll work for me. So I showed up like we kind of had this fight, and I was like devastated, and I was still really dramatic at that time. Um, <laughs> and so I that was like a Saturday night, and I went to the Tuesday night meeting, and you know I've been there ever since. And I had I I got a sponsor. I worked the steps. I'm working the traditions. I try to be a service, um, and. My whole life is what I wanted it to be, you know, initially, initially with this person and um, have all the things that we have. Uh, but it's so that all that is happening, but it's like even better than it, I thought it could be. Um, you know, both of our lives are built on our own foundation of recovery, but it's like even though we're in two separate rooms, like we're speaking the same language, we understand each other. Um, and there's still some things that I'll probably never understand about addiction just because I haven't gone through it. Yeah. But sure. in, in the recovery world, I mean, we're so much on the same page and doing a lot of the same things that just, I mean, I can't really even explain like how awesome it is um, to be in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple things I want to pull from your, yeah. your story here, if that's okay. So typically when I work with family members and clients, uh, they fall into one of two categories and this isn't hundred percent accurate. There is always some gray, of course, but typically they fall into either so far fallen from each other, right? So disconnected from each other that you have to work on rebuilding that relationship, the communication, uh, personal rights, boundaries, things like that. So that's this side of it. Okay. They're either on this extreme or they're on this extreme, which sounds like was maybe a little bit more you. Um, and I hate to use this word, but codependent, oh. I call it enmeshment, right? When you those are accurate, when your identities <laughs> are enmeshed with each other so tight that the loved one of the person who's struggling with the disease feels like they're going through it and their life's just as unmanageable and they're just as powerless mm-hmm. and they're, they're losing their mind because, right. Uh, because of the, the worrying, what are they up to? What are they doing that? We got to learn to kind of pull that enmeshment apart and help each person be more independent on their own so that they can have a healthy relationship instead of that codependent enmeshment relationship. Is that accurate at all? Yeah, I would say I, he's not really codependent. He would be like, oh, I'm going to do that. You know, he was fine. I definitely got that way um, where I just really struggled. Like we would be mad. We, I would, I shouldn't say we would be mad. I would be mad at him. <laughs> okay. And he'd be like, I'm going to, I'm just going to leave. Like you're, you're mad at me. You don't even like want to sit by me or talk to me. And I'd be like, no, you're not leaving. Even right. though I would really was mad at him and I just wanted to like, get out of here. I was just like, I don't know what I would do when you leave. I'm be too worried. Sure. So you're going to stay here, even though I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to monitor <laughs> you to make sure that you're doing uh, what you're yeah, supposed to which do. Which is, uh, you know, I say it out loud and all these people are going to hear it, but um, a little bit crazy. But, but that's <laughs> what I love about this is you're in your own recovery in that sense. Does that make, Oh yeah. Am I, you're in your own recovery from the, from that enmeshment, from that codependency, from, from, you know, that loved one who's struggling for good reason, for good reason. I mean, you love somebody, you worry about them. You don't want to get the phone calls that you got to bail them out of jail. You don't want to get the, you know, if they don't answer the phone, that drives us crazy, right? Oh, yeah. Like the not knowing is almost worse than the knowing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I totally get it. And in your own way, you're in recovery from that because of what Al-Anon has been able to do for you in your life. Oh, for sure. And then, you know, I feel like I, we went on to the other side where we ended up getting divorced. And so that was complete separation. And at that point I was like, hard line, we're done. 
Mm. Um, you know, that obviously that hard line kind of washed away. We're, we're, <laughs> we're back together now, you know, and, and I'm glad you um, are. That's cool. And it's awesome. But yeah, it's, we did, I would say, I guess kind of swung between from one extreme to the other. Um, but luckily we got like a nice happy setup going on. So that's awesome. And how, how he, and he's in long-term recovery now. Yeah, as defined as a year or more without any chemical substances in his body. Yes. That's awesome. And and we've already talked about you're in kind of your own recovery from from that enmeshment relationship and, and that. Isn't it crazy? So here's the thing. I get people that that are like against the 12 steps, right? I have these conversations all the time. And I say to people, that's great. If If a different version works for you, that's totally fine. And I respect that. For me... By the, from the time I started step one to the time I stopped my step 12, I could not deny that my life was completely 180. I'd done 180. I completely turned my life around. So it, I couldn't deny it. Right. Like, so when people come at me and they're, they're anti 12 step people, I'm just like, okay, again, all pathways lead to recovery. That's fantastic. But for me, I do have faith in the 12 steps. Like it, it, changed my life. Oh yeah. There's so many principles in there and there's so many different things that you get to do to really rebuild your life, mend relationships, continue to, to monitor yourself, give back service to other people. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It changed my life. What does that look like from now and on version? Um, it's really the same thing. Um, you know, Al-Anon's 12 steps are adapted from AAs. There's only like two different words in there out of all all, all the steps. Um, and so, you know, we do it, we do the same thing. We, we get a sponsor, we walk through them. Um, it, we do the work. I had to do a lot of writing. I had to do, there was a lot of crying and a lot of, you know, really starting like the grief process. Um, it was emotional. It was hard. And so I sometimes think like maybe why people don't want to do the 12 steps or maybe they don't get anything from it or whatever it might be is like, I mean, to really benefit from them, like you have to show up and you have to do the work. And that is hard because I had to look at a lot of crap. Right. Yeah. I had to look. It's uncomfortable. At, yeah. People don't want to do it. No, I had to look at myself. And I mean, it took me like a long time to get them done. It did. <laughs> um, but I, I needed, I did need the time on some of those. And when my sponsor was like, okay, next, like I'd be like, okay, next. Yep. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, it's. I would say it's just what you experience is probably, you know, kind of what I experienced as well. Um, obviously we all have our own little personal things and other things that might stick out, um, on step two that, you know, was different for you versus me because we're just different people. We have different backgrounds and experiences, but I think ultimately step 12 talks about it. Like we had a spiritual awakening. Um, and as a result of that, you know, we have the life that we have today. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know that you, you're passionate about recovery and just to kind of get, you know, change it up here. Sean, do you have the picture? I also noticed that you're pretty passionate about oh, picture the gym. <laughs> so, so talk to me about this picture. I noticed, look, I, I want to really represent who you are. I know that you're into fitness. I saw you on Facebook you're getting down on a cookie for those people that yeah. can't see it. She, it looks like a competition. You just got done doing a competition. Yes. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate you showing the, the picture. <laughs> so talk to me about some other passions in your life. What does that look like? How long ago was that? Congratulations, by the oh, way. That's thank fantastic. Thank you. That was in 2015. I did a women's figure um, bodybuilding show. And that was the first one and uh, the only one. Um, <laughs> and not, not because I wouldn't want to do it again. It's just, you know, life happens and... Actually, right when I was thinking about doing another show, I broke my ankles. So, uh, yeah, that kind of put that on the back burner. Was but, it trying uh, to deadlift 500 pounds? No, this was climbing, a new adventure I was engaging in. Um, but, yeah, fitness, that's really been my thing for a long time. I'm going to be 31 in a couple months, and I think I got my first gym membership when I was 16. And prior to that, like, I took P.E., Every year, you know, and as you get past like your just general PE class, I think you have to do your freshman year, you can take weightlifting. And so, you know, I'd be one of the only girls in the weightlifting class and um, in high school. And so it started there and it's still something I love to do. And that's awesome. I love that. We got about 40 seconds left here. I just I have one question. 
I know that there's a lot of dedication and dieting and uh, it's a strict regimen. Like that's not a, that's not like a, a hobby that's for the faint of heart, right? How delicious was that cookie after cutting carbs and sugars and everything for how long did you cut for? Oh, uh, 14 weeks, 14 weeks. So yeah, it was really good. And what else did you eat? Because I'm sure you got, oh. I'm sure you just ate a whole smorgasbord. We'll get to that. We'll get, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little, getting a little off topic. Thank you so much. Join us in part two of episode 70, where Danielle's going to talk to us about hand in hand support services right after this little break. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. And we're back. Thank you for that little break, Steps Recovery Centers. Sean, did you know that episode 70 part two is brought to us by who? The Hilton Garden Inn. Do you want to take the sponsorship mention or do you want me to? It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn. Hey, this guy's good, right? He nailed it. Listen, if, if you're, you're a love... phone or traveling through St. George, <laughs> keep going. Give him a Google search. And give him a Google search, the Hilton Garden Inn. There's, they got warm beds and <laughs> towels that will keep you clean. You were doing so well for so long, Sean. If you are loved ones traveling, traveling through Southern Utah, check out the Hilton Garden Inn. They are, they really are. It's amazing. It's super clean, super nice. Uh, just, just go to Google, type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. I promise, I promise you won't be disappointed. They're fantastic. Did I, didn't, you know? I didn't stay there last night. You didn't? No, because you always ask Terry or whoever else. I know. Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me. No. I, I would like to stay there some night. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, listen. Did you know Winterfest is going to be at yeah, the Yeah, it's out there, right? Yeah, and it's right around that. the corner. So, wah, 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 little, you know, community service. Can you do a, like a sound, Sean? Can we get like a... Yeah, but I need like more uh, okay. heads up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Jeez, geez. So, <laughs> community, sir, community resource, if you are interested in, in being a part of Winterfest, which is AA's version of, you know, they all get together... Once every, it's once a year. Once a year. Once yep. a year. That's coming up. There it is. <laughs> Boom. I got to turn this on. Here we go. Where is it? Ah, uh, my phone just died. Never mind. Ah. <laughs> ah. Uh, see what I mean when I say you got nothing to be nervous about? We're yeah. just, a, just a bunch of goofballs having fun. So, but seriously, if, if you're interested in, in uh, going to Winterfest, definitely check that out. It's coming up coming up in a couple months. It's always fantastic. Well, and by couple months, it's or a couple weeks. next weekend. It's next weekend. Next weekend. See, you know, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, Danielle. Keeping me straight, right? Yeah. So next weekend is Winterfest at the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. All right. Let's get back to Danielle. All right. So for those of you that are just listening to this on a podcast platform, you definitely got to check us out, the video version on YouTube or on our Facebook, because we just showed a Hulk picture of Danielle Hansler. She looked like the Hulk. She's buff. Um, she was eating a cookie after. Yes, there it is. One more time. Fantastic. Uh, and you were talking to us about that's like been your passion for a long time. Yeah. So like my um, bachelor's degree is in exercise science. And I love that's that. That's what my bachelor's degree is in. Yeah. Crazy. Super cool. So I didn't really know, um, you know, when you have to like go to, into college and you're like 18 years old and you're like, well, what am I going to do? Like, well, I like to work out, so Done. I guess I'll do that. That actually rolls us into my question. And the whole reason why I brought up the fitness thing is because I wanted to ask you when you were going through, you know, the, the tough times, was that something that helped pull you out of it? In other words, I think it's important. We've had 
uh, Coach Blue on here with Addict to Athlete. Fantastic guy. He's amazing. He's doing his own podcast now. If you want to check it out, you can check out his as well. But he talked about erase and replace. And I'm always, when I'm running my, my groups at Steps, I always talk about if you're going to cross addict, cross addict into something healthy, right? Cross addict, cross addict into going to uh, yoga or going to meditation like Dharma, Dharma recovery, yeah. cross addict into fitness, cross addict, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. Did that help you out when you were going through those hard times? Um, I think so, but it almost, it will, did get extreme. Um, for me, I felt like my life was so chaotic and it felt like everything that I was trying to control, uh, it just wasn't working, but the gym was one thing that I, I would go and do, I would spend however much time I wanted there. Um, you know, because like the home life was just kind of unhealthy. Um, but, and I guess I can share this a little bit, but, um, yeah, yeah, so it got, it got to the point, especially after the show, like things, things were not that great. Um, you know, you get to a point where you're like shredded, you're the leanest you've ever been. Um, and I ended up really actually having issues with eating, Um, and so now that like that, this extreme training was over, um, and I had freedom to eat whatever I wanted, Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of did that, but then I felt a lot of guilt. Like it, you know, I'm, I'm my, my life is chaotic. Things are crazy. I'm, I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to fix it. Um, and so to feel good, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to eat a whole bag of flaming hot Cheetos or, you know, a whole thing, of ice cream or whatever. Um, but then there was like this guilt kicking in. Cause like, I know better, like I shouldn't eat all that and that's not good for you. And so I actually ended up, um, developing an eating disorder from, it was like, it was like, the, I could control what I ate, but then it got to the point where I also couldn't control that. Right. Um, and so Danielle, I, I'm, you might be one of my favorite guests in a long, in a, a few weeks. I mean, I love everybody that comes on. Right. But, but seriously, I love this because I would have never guessed that like looking at, looking at you and, and some of the things that you've done, like the fitness shows. And I, I see that you're doing like the powerlifting stuff. I, I, I never would have guessed that. And I, and that is such a huge thing. That is one of the very common cross addictions is, is eating disorders. And so I think it's cool that you can come on and you can share that you struggled with that. You know, now we're talking mental health yeah. and, and that's under the same umbrella as substance abuse. And so I love that. I, I absolutely love that you're cool, calm and collected enough to, to be able to talk about that. Yeah. Well, I've learned that like you do, that you do a lot of this stuff in secret, right? Like whether it's substance use or for me, like eating disorder, um, and you have guilt and you have shame and you have all of these things. And that was actually one of, I was seeing a therapist, um, working on this stuff And that was one of the first times I made a connection between while we're choosing different substances, you know, I like finally was like, oh, like I can kind of sort of teeny bit understand him a little bit better. Absolutely. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, it feels good to say that that's not something that I struggle with anymore. Um, But just like substance use, just like mental health you know, we don't necessarily know that we're not alone unless there's people talking about it. So that's what this whole podcast is about trying to change that stigma, right? Like it used to be that when people say, I I'm seeing, I'm seeing a therapist, (laughs) right. To only like super close friends and maybe some family members and no, like that it's, it's cool. We have t-shirts that say therapy is cool, right? Like it's, if you got something you need to work on, absolutely address it. Like let's change the stigma. Like it's, it's been swept underneath the rug for too long. Too many people have had their mental health disorder either become worse or have developed even like suicidal ideation because they just feel the shame. Like you're talking about and the guilt. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Fantastic. So I want to leave enough time here to talk about, um, I know you work at the hospital, so you went to school for, um, fitness. Mm -hmm. When did that change? When did you, when did you decide to work more in the medical field? Um, well, I was in Texas, so this had to have been like 2015, 16. Um, and I just didn't really like my career being like in commercial gyms. 
Um, it's and more about sales than it is actually yes, helping people. Yes, and I was like, sure. I am not a salesperson. Yeah. And so then they're like, why aren't you meeting your goals? And I'm like, because this is so uncomfortable and not me that like, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. You didn't like being the cheesy gym guy? Oh God. And they cheesy would gym say, gal? they'd say like, oh, you know what you should do to get people is go find someone who's doing something wrong and like give them feedback. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm never doing that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, hey, this is not for me. Um, and so I was just kind of exploring other fields like, okay, what? else would I want to do? So I, I looked into other realms of, you know, respiratory therapy, nursing, um, doing like imaging tech, you know, I don't know, something that was in the medical field because there's hospitals everywhere. So, but at your core, you want to help people. Like yeah. that's the one common theme, right? Whether it's helping people hit their fitness goals, helping with respiratory. Okay. So, so that's kind of a common thread for you Yeah, is being of service to others and helping out. Yes. I love it. What'd you end up eventually going into? So, um, after years and years, I was like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, and <laughs> I've I had, had some years like that. Yeah, I yeah, get it. I get it. I had these goals though. Like I wanted to do something different. And so it was a couple months after my divorce and I, was like, okay, I gotta figure this out. So I looked online, I was like, okay, I don't wanna do nursing, I don't really wanna do patient care. Um, what is still kind of health related that doesn't, I don't need you know, a license to, and then I don't need to be right. at the bedside. And so I, I found public health and I started reading about it. I started reading about like, what are your options? Like as far as like job titles, like what sounded like, are these things that sound interesting? Um, yeah, what career paths are available to yeah. me if I go into this profession? Yeah, and sure. so what I saw, I really liked. And um, it's actually funny, I kind of knew I wanted to do public health. It was sitting in the back of my mind for a, a while, but um, I had a huge fear that like, if I apply, what if I don't get in? Oh yeah. Um, I'm not capable and I'm not smart enough. I grad school's too hard. Like, um, and so finally I just was like, Frick, I gotta like, I gotta apply. Like the deadline is like in a week. So gotta do this it. is like years kind of in the making, but, um, yeah, I finally applied for grad school. I got accepted. Um, so I, and I graduated, last May with my master's in public health. So congratulations. That's Thanks. amazing. And that was a total setup to get into hand in hand support services because while you work and you've been working in that industry for how long now? Um, like hospital. Yeah. Uh, I think six years, five, somewhere so, in there. So public health for five, six years. Oh, well, no public health's only been kind of since June of last year. Oh, okay. Really when I was like, I'm doing it. And you're diving all in, right? Yeah. Because talk to me about hand in hand support services. You're the founder of that. Yes. Is it a 501c3 nonprofit? It's in the process. Okay. So you got to register with the IRS and it takes months. Wow. For them to approve it. So we're working on it. Fantastic. I think it's amazing. So talk to me a little bit about hand in hand support services. Like how did it come about? What's your vision for it? I know it's, it's based around helping people in the community. Yes. Educate me, fill me in. Yes. So, um, early in my, um, master's program, I was introduced to the idea of harm reduction, um, which really just focuses on reducing like health and social harms that are related to certain risk behaviors. Um, Could be a number of risk behaviors. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be substance abuse. No, um, but that is what we focus on. Um, as well, it's because but, we have a pan, an epidemic right now with yeah. opioid overdose and, and tons of, right? I mean, it's, it's no secret. Like, we've got a, a big public health crisis with, with all the different things that are going on. Yeah. I mean, I think I saw a thing the other day that was saying um, fentanyl has now become in Utah the number one killer of, of young adults, like teens to young adults, the yeah, number one. It's scary. Yeah. It's in everything, you know, and people aren't used to that. So I could see why you'd focus on that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, so yeah, harm reduction. And I always love to like, and you know, people kind of sometimes hear harm reduction and they think, oh, and you know, honestly, I would have felt that way 
if I would have heard this five years ago rather than two years ago. Or if you didn't have the education in public health that you yeah. have, the master's level education. Yeah. And so it's, it's exciting to, you know, they're do they've been doing harm reduction services up North for several years. We just haven't had anything down here. And so it's exciting to be able to bring something that is needed, you know, to our community. Um, and I like to relate it. Like we think, you know, we know that substance use causes harms to our health, to our relationships, our lives, you know, all these things. Um, oh, the impact's huge. Absolutely. Um, but we, it's important that like we are helping people that are in that spot that, you know, they, they have obviously already started using substances and they're just maybe not quite ready for treatment. And I mean, the statistics show too, that people that develop substance use disorders don't always seek treatment. They don't always get treatment. Um, and so harm reduction really just tries to meet those people that are in the middle from where we're working really hard to prevent substance use from ever happening. Mm -hmm. And then people are getting treatment and hopefully, you know, maintaining their sobriety and abstinence. Um, but we're going to have the, some people in the middle because we can't prevent everybody That's from fair. getting here. And so how do we protect the people that are still so oftentimes in that in, spot? Absolutely. And oftentimes in substance abuse, it happens before people ever get education on it. Right. So like me, for example, I mean, my substance abuse started as a high school kid that shattered his ankle. At that point in time, nobody's talking to me about substance. Abuse. Nobody's talking to me about addiction, right? Like I have zero education on that. And so like you're saying, sure, if we can prevent it, that's fantastic. But for those people that don't get the information and don't get the education and just kind of be, become addicted without them realizing it, they need sometimes if we can keep them healthy long enough for them to seek treatment and get into recovery and minimize the harm, that's fantastic. Why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. So that's what hand in hand focuses on, um, is, you know, meeting those people that are still in active addiction and then just really my role and what I love about it is just that I get to be a source of light and love and encouragement for individuals that, you know, seek out services. Um, and you know, my hope is that I, and I know for me, I isolated, you know, the person in my life, um, and I had negative feelings towards people that he was associated with that were using, you know, I wasn't always the nicest or most loving. Um, and so today I get to take a different approach, you know, and that feels good. Um, but really I just want people to know that like they are loved, um, just as they are. And then hopefully being that person that they, you know, can trust and count on. And if I can just plant little seeds of like, Hey, you know, if treatment's something you want, you know, let me know. I, you know, I had the opportunity to go around to all of our different treatment centers here and meet, meet everybody. And, you know, we've got such a good community and I've seen what recovery can do in my loved one's life, in my life. Um, you know, we want that for other people. Absolutely. And listen, if, if somebody's struggling and you approach them with harm reduction and you help them with maybe a wound kit or you mm -hmm. help them with some kind of public health services, and that's going to be my next question is what are all the things you guys do? But, but before we get there, maybe that person goes, holy cow, somebody actually cares about me. Holy cow. This person cares enough to even notice me. Like a big thing with suicidal ideation is I feel invisible. People feel invisible. They feel like nobody notices them. They, they're not seen in the world. Mm -hmm. So now if all of a sudden I have Danielle come up to me with a smiling face and say that she can relate on some level, offer me some help, I'm probably going to be more likely to want to have some kind of association with you, which then can lead to further down the road, more help. Yeah. It's like the honey or the stick, which one attracts people more, right? Yeah. Yes. I know. I, I messed that up. What, what What's the analogy, Sean? Honey and vinegar. That, thank you. Right? <laughs> it's like the honey or the vinegar. Which one attracts well, yeah, I mean, people more? But a stick's not going to attract. I mean. Ah! <laughs> okay. I, I've slaughtered that one. Anyways, what are the services that you guys offer with the harm reduction? So we do syringe access and disposal. Um, we 
talk to me real quick because yeah. I feel like that's the one that has the most stigma around it. Yeah. And before I forget, talking of stigma, I, I apologize. If you want to become part of of the recovery community, wear your your recovery out loud. Go to recoverystrong.com. Click on their gear tab. You can check out. They have tons of apparel. Just don't be, you know, don't live in that stigma-based world that we live in, right? Recovery Strong is all about strengthening recovery. Oh, man. I'm terrible today, Sean. Strengthening, fighting addiction, strengthening recovery. Thank you. It came to me finally. Okay, so let's talk about that. I feel like that's the big one, right? People hear the syringe thing and they feel like, that's where there are a lot of that stigma is. Why is it important for people to have access to that? I mean, do you want somebody to share their syringes with a whole bunch of people they know or don't know? How is a lot of public health diseases spread? Yeah, just through transmission of, from me to you, you know? Right, by sharing um, dirty syringes. Yeah, and so I get what you want people to be abstinent because that is going to provide the utmost safety the end game and health. The end game um, but in reality, like I've said, you know, that's just not the case for everybody. So like, let's like keep them safe. And also when you're using, when you're using syringes over and over and over again, especially really tiny gauge ones, you're, you're dulling the tip every time. Um, and so now you're causing more injury to your skin. Abscesses. Um, so you end up with cellulitis, with abscesses, with, you know, just skin infections, it, you know, irritated veins. Um, and that sends people to the ER. Which drives up public uh, yeah. health costs through medical. Yeah, yeah. So if we can provide them with sterile syringes, then we at least know that they are using something that is clean um, and safe you know, when they are choosing to. Yeah. I have the perfect scenario. If I am a IV heroin user and you know, I'm, I'm involved in that world. If I'm using dirty syringes, I'm at a much higher chance. And maybe, you know, the statistics to get HIV, to get Mm -hmm. hep C. Hep C for sure. They say about like 50% of IV drug users will 50%. 50%. So if one day, if, if fast forward my story, if one day I'm going to end up seven and a half years in recovery, I would prefer not to have hep C or HIV. Yeah. So if we can, if we can reduce that harm for a while. Yeah. Now, now you have somebody in recovery that's a, a lot more healthy. Well, and HIV is lifelong, you know, and you can still live a very happy, healthy, sure, long life, but, but it's it, lifelong treatment. But if it can be prevented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So the needle exchange, what else do you guys do? So yeah, we do the, we do the disposal part. So we take theirs, we dispose of them properly, you know, hopefully to just eliminate any accidental needle sticks or any out in the community. Um, we do HIV and hepatitis C rapid testing for people. Um, you kind of mentioned those are the top two, um, diseases that injection drug users are most likely to, um, develop. So we do rapid testing. Um, and then if they do come back with a positive test, we provide um, resource linkage for them to get confirmatory testing, get a, get set up with treatment. Um, so we also just offer like wound care supplies, um, you know, safer. Which just- listen, that might not sound like a big thing, but, but uh, it, it, if you're struggling and you're out there and you're impaired, you're going to probably not have transportation. Maybe, maybe not. I know I didn't in my homeless days. Uh, you might be riding a bike. If you're riding a bike intoxicated, odds are you're, you might fall over on that bike. Yeah. Uh, if you're walking down the street and you're, you've had too much to drink, you might stumble on the curb and hit your head. Like the wound kits could be for way more than just direct substance abuse related, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then also we do referrals to treatment. Um, and that could be for medication assisted treatment, inpatient, outpatient, and then also, you know, tra- uh, treatment for anyone that comes back with a positive test. So, um, and you know, I just always tell everybody, I also offer just lots of love and support. So (laughs) that's, that's gotta be one of the most important things, right? It's just, listen, if somebody can make a positive association with an organization like yours, they learn that you accept them where they're at. You meet Mm -hmm. them where they're at, right? No judgment. That is the basis of harm reduction right there. No shaming, none of that, none of that stuff they're far more likely with that positive association to seek help. 
because I know a big part of the stigma, a big part of why, maybe not the only reason, but a big part of why people continue to use is because they don't know where to turn. I was having this conversation with my sweet mom who's down here visiting the other day. Like we were talking about it and she's like, I, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know who to call. I didn't. Right. And, and I mean, eventually, you know, some resources came around, but if they're, if people know about an organization like yours and they get that love, they get mm-hmm. that attention, they're much more likely to, to pursue the help. Yeah. So it's been awesome. You know, we've got, um, several people enrolled and, and, as much as I want, you know, to keep seeing people, I also think like, okay, come see me. And then like, I hope we get to a point where you don't have to, you know, you don't have to see me anymore. How do people, we got a minute left and this is the most important. Now, how do people get a hold of you? How do they get in touch? How do they get involved? So, um, anyone that knows me, you know, you can, Message me on Facebook, Instagram. Some people have my personal cell phone number, but um, typically just use social media um, to help promote services. And there is a number. Go ahead. That number is 435-669-3422. And that will go to Hand in Hand's cell phone. Um, And yeah. Otherwise, social media is probably our main. So you're on Facebook. Yeah. So just hit your search key. Type in hand-in-hand support services. It'll pull up the page, right? Yeah. Contact or hit the post. Do you have a way for them to instant message you? Yes. And our number's on there too. So. Fantastic. The the number one more time. 435-669-3422. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.